Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 230 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back here in the big chair for today, Monday, January 17th, 2022. And as you can tell from the sad music, the New England Patriots lost a football game on Saturday night. They lost to the Buffalo Bills by a final score of 47-17. to And frankly, this one never really felt close. Um, we're going to talk about three things in today's show. We're going to talk about Saturday night. We're going to talk about this season in general. And we're going to talk about where the Patriots go from here. But before we dive into any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along with the hijinks on the Stake map at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a variety of places. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Matt Waldman's RSP Quick Game Podcast, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Blogging the Boys, Pat's Pulpit, all the SB Nation websites where you can find the work. But, of course, the easiest way is on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Now, let's go into this game, sort of recapping it through this lens. If you remember last week, I talked about what the Patriots would need to do to win this game. And those three things were they had to run with purpose. They had to find ways to put Mac Jones in a position to be successful. We're going to talk about Mac in a few minutes here. But the third thing was they had to find ways to contain Josh Allen, particularly his threat as a runner. And this is something that the Patriots were keenly aware of going into this game, right? Coach Belichick earlier last week, quote, it's Russian, but pass Russia with discipline and awareness. If you miss him and he gets loose, that's going to be a big problem. You can't just stand there and watch him throw. That's not the answer. But being undisciplined and just running around back there and letting him run, that's not the answer either. He's a hard guy to defend. Matthew Judon, on that same subject, Josh Allen and what he can do with his legs. We have to keep him in the pocket and make him use his arm. Make him beat the coverage instead of everybody being covered and him uncovered everybody with his running, especially when our DBs and linebackers have their backs turned, when he can just pick lanes and weave and end up with a 25-yard gain on what looks like we have everybody covered. Up front, we have to do a better job of just containing him. And that quote, that 25-yard gain, Matthew Judon, when he said it, probably had no idea how sort of prescient that would be. Because on Buffalo's opening drive, they faced a second and 10 on their own 43-yard line. Josh Allen dropped a throw. Patriots rushed just four. Judon is sort of on the left edge over the left tackle, over Dawson Knox, who's in the wing, that side of the field. But he drops off, chips Cole Beasley, drops into underneath coverage. Allen drops the throw. Patriots rushed just four. Allen faces pressure off the right edge. He pulls the football down, eventually scampers upfield, Juke and Matthew Judon in the process before dipping out of bounds in New England territory for a gain of 26 yards. The Patriots knew going into this game they were going to have to find a way to sort of deal with Josh Allen and the threat he posed with his legs. And right there in the opening drive of the game, Matthew Judon in the opening field, with a shot at Josh Allen to hold him to a minimal game, Allen gets around him. Allen's ability as an athlete opened up opportunities both as a runner and a passer. They knew it going in. They didn't have an answer for it. 
21 of 25 for 308 yards, five touchdowns. Six of six rushing for 26 yards. Allen played almost a perfect game. And I've had people reach out to me. What do you think of the defensive coaches? What do you think of Gerard Mayo? What do you think of Steve Belichick? Do you think of Belichick's game plan? It's hard to have a game plan for that anyway. But particularly when you're banged up. When you're thin in the secondary. When you're worried about what you're going to do from a coverage standpoint. When you're worried about how to deal with Josh Allen. But that's the second part of it, right? It's hard to have a game plan anyway when you're dealing with that guy. And with respect to Allen, he was pressured on seven plays. According to chart and data from Pro Football Focus, according to sort of watching that game anyway, what did he do on those seven plays? Throw-in-wise, he was 5 of 5 for 87 yards and a pair of touchdowns. The two plays where he didn't throw it, that 26-yard gain, and another 8-yard scramble. Josh Allen played a flawless game. It's hard to win in the NFL when the opposing quarterback plays a flawless game. And that's what the Patriots ran into on Saturday night. And we've got a long offseason to figure out how to deal with Josh Allen going forward. But that's the issue. How do you deal with Josh Allen? How do you keep pace with teams like that, with teams like the Chiefs and what we saw them do after stumbling out of the gate on their first five possessions, three punts and two turnovers, next six drives, six touchdowns? How do you keep pace with those teams, both on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball? That's going to be the critical question facing this team, which we'll dive into in the third segment of the show. But that's... The main issue. Of course, the other issue is the Mac Jones portion of this. And perhaps in a couple of weeks, I'll dive back into doing some film stuff on Jones for the YouTube. I didn't think Mac Jones played that bad. I didn't think he played that bad. The problem is it was too late. They had an opportunity. Get a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. Who knows how things change? But if you have that opportunity to sort of keep pace with them out of the gate, maybe it's different. In all likelihood, probably not with the way that that offense was playing for Buffalo. But he moved well, slid around in the pocket well. And a lot of people have asked, well, what about, you know, the interception, you know, on the deep shot to Nelson Aguilar? Who's, whose fault was that? Honestly, I think it was just 95% a, a great play. Could Mac have thrown it in perhaps a little bit better of a spot? Maybe. But if he missed it or underthrew it, it was maybe by like a foot. And when you're talking about a throw, Mac pumps and releases this from his own 42-yard line, right hash, and it goes outside the numbers a yard deep in the end zone. So it's like... Just in terms of pure air yardage, it's like a 44-yard throw, but it's right hash below the left numbers. It's covering like 50, 52 yards in the air, maybe. That's a long throw. You want it to be generally accurate, and I think it was a generally accurate ball. Hyde made a great play. Now, 
there's one sort of nitpicky thing I could say about this. Matt gives it a pump fake. But it's... Not that pump fakes are going to be graded or anything like that. But it's not the most effective pump fake in the world. Because he's got Jacoby Myers on the crosser. They run sort of like a... a, a you know, a drive concept kind of thing. Where you've got... Myers on a crosser left to right. And you've got Henry coming underneath him from right to left. Max trying to hold Micah Hyde in the middle of the field. that he pumps on him. And you pump the safety fine. But what's weird is he takes the snap. He's looking at the middle of the field. Then he looks left to pick up Aguilar. Then he comes right to pump it. And if you're Micah Hyde, you're reading that in the middle of the field. And Hyde said after the game, he didn't think Mac was going to throw that. Don't you think the pump would be more effective if he makes it while still looking at you? Like if he pumps on it first and then flashes his eyes? Like by looking at safety, then looking at Aguilar... And then he comes back and pumps. I, I'm not, not so sure that's as effective. But that's a really nitpicky thing. And even that I don't think is, is going to make a huge difference. I think in, it was just a great play. You know, but the issue with Mac is more, and I was thinking about this this morning, getting ready for this show. There's a lot of weird parallels between the Baltimore Ravens like two years ago and the Patriots right now, right? If you think about uh, Lamar Jackson and the sort of knocks on him and the knocks on that Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson, it was they get down by two scores, it's over. They can't throw their way back into games. That's what kind of the Patriots are now. Now this year... That offense showed an ability to throw themselves back into games. He did it against the Colts. He did it against the Raiders. But then, you know, the injuries, the COVID and everything just sort of had this trickle-down effect on the Ravens. That's what we have to see now for Mac Jones going forward. Can they start throwing themselves into games? Winning games with his arm or if they remain a team that needs neutral or positive game scripts to be effective on the offensive side of the ball? That could be a problem. And again, as we'll talk about in the third segment of the show, how do you start keeping pace with teams like Buffalo, with teams like Kansas City that can put up points in bunches? That's the question they'll need to answer, right? And that's the question they'll need to answer. Can Mac do that or not? So that's some thoughts out of the gate on Saturday night. Now we, in a moment, look ahead to the entire season. That's coming up here in episode 230 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 230 of The Sco Show. And simple question, maybe not a simple answer. Was this season a success for the New England Patriots? Now, in some ways, simple answer is this. No. It ended with a loss in the wildcard round. When you spend the money that you spent in the offseason to acquire the talent that you acquired, your expectations should be higher than lose it in the wildcard round. But as I said, that's your 10-word answer. That's your bumper sticker answer. Was this season a success? No. 
But if they're about 10-word answers about bucket, I mean, bumper sticker answers, they don't often tell the whole story. They don't often provide the full context that you need to answer a question like that, to answer less, more complicated questions. You know, and I always, in the build-up to this playoff season, in the build-up to this playoff game, down the stretch, around the holidays, if you would have told me, if you would have told Patriots fans that, hey, look, they got a shot at the one seed. They got a shot at the division. They got a shot at the playoffs. They're into the playoffs. If you would have said stuff like that to us back in August, particularly when they made the decision to go forward with Josh, with Mac Jones, excuse me, not Josh Allen, when they made the decision to burn the boats like they did with Cam Newton, you say, look, this is it. We are going forward. This is the plan. If you would have said then that, yeah, they're going to be playing in the first round of the playoffs or they would have a shot at the division. They would have a shot at the one seed with four weeks left in the season. I think we would have been overjoyed with that. We would have considered the season a, a wild success, not knowing anything else. And so while it's easy in this moment, at this time, to look at Saturday night and consider it more of a disappointing finish to the season or maybe a disappointing season overall, I think it's important to go back to where you were in August, where you were the morning you learned the Patriots were releasing Cam Newton. Or even back to the first night of the draft when, for example, some people were on the Pat's Pulpit live stream and we didn't feel good about it, right? You had a shot at Justin Fields. You're settling at the moment. That's what it felt like for Mac Jones. You know, and I was chief among them. But then if you would have told, if you would have dropped on that live stream at that moment and told us, hey guys, Mac's going to get this team into the playoffs as a rookie quarterback, we would have said, all right. As I said at the moment, it is time to start talking ourselves into Mac Jones. If you would have told me that, I would have said, easy, job done. Mission accomplished. You have talked me into Mac Jones by telling us that the New England Patriots in his first year as a starting quarterback in his rookie season, he's going to get them into the playoffs. I'd have taken. So through that realm, through that lens, maybe it's much easier to make the case that, yeah, this was a successful season. But ultimately, ultimately, the measure of whether this was a successful season for the New England Patriots might come down to this. What do we see for Mac Jones next year? Because if you go back to that moment when they decided to go forward with Mac, the question was this. Will Mac Jones be the guy? Will he show he can be the guy? Will he be better at the end of the year than he was at the start of it? And I think that case is easy to make. Yes. Mac Jones is a better quarterback now than he was at the start of the year. Now, whether that growth is astronomical, a bit more incremental, you know, I leave that up to you to judge. But from watching him, studying him, writing about him, talking about him over the course of this season, the quarterback that we saw, even in that game Saturday night, is a, a better quarterback than he was coming into the league when he was back at week one. So through that realm... Maybe this season was a success. But it's also important to remember this little part of it. This was probably the Mac argument, right? This was the Mac argument. He's the pro-ready guy. 
He's the floor guy. He's the guy that can come in and play right away. The ceiling's the deeper question. As I had somebody in the league tell me, like back in November, and I've mentioned this before, talk to me in three years. Where does Mac go from here? Now, I know we're bleeding into what the final segment of today's show is going to be about. But where does Mac go from here? What does his ceiling look like now? And I think there's an easy case to be made that the ceiling for Mac Jones as a quarterback in the NFL is higher than we thought it was last April, is higher than we thought it was last May, is higher than we thought it was back in September. Because for all of the mistakes and the missed opportunities and things like that, for all of the questions about arm talent, for all of the questions about athleticism, he's answered some of those. Now, there are still questions that he needs to be answered. I was talking to somebody uh, last week about Mac, somebody else on the media side who is getting ready to write about Mac Jones. He basically said, the arm is an issue. The arm is something. He looks tight, but with some strength, conditioning, development, maybe some pliability in the TB12 method, loosen him up a bit. You get a little bit more velocity in some of these throws. And now you've got a quarterback that can hit those scholarship throws, like I talked about last week, right? From the Bills' perspective, you want to force Mac Jones to hit those scholarship throws. Right now, he needs the mind to do it. He needs the manipulation with his eyes to do it. He needs the scheme to be right to do it. But when you add in a little bit more velocity on that, now you're cooking with gas. And so that's going to be the critical factor for this franchise in the next year or two. Does Mac continue to develop? Does he push that ceiling higher and higher along the way, week in and week out? Or do we start bumping up against a hard cap? Do we start bumping up against a hard ceiling? And we start seeing limitations where he's going to be good, but we won't, might not be more than that. Are we going to get New England's version of, say, a... Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, guy you win with, or can he start pushing the boundaries a bit and become more of the guy you win because of? Because Saturday night, that quarterback, quarterback you win with, right? You need everything else to go right. You need neutral game scripts or positive game scripts. That or that night, you needed the guy you win games because of, and probably, frankly, <laughs> a little or a lot more than just that. But if he can become, over the next season or two, the guy you start winning games because of, booyah. That's going to be the key to the next two years. The ceiling for Matt Jones and where it goes from here. So, in a way, this season was a success. Because it might have laid the foundation for that. And if it did, we will look back at this season and say, yeah, they lost on Saturday night, but they won for eternity. Up next, how do they get there? That's what we'll dive into to cap off episode 230 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 230 of the Sco Show, and we turn the page to the future now. How do the New England Patriots get beyond the wild card round for next season? How do they get to the divisional round, a championship game, a Super Bowl, perhaps? They will be picking. 21st overall 
in the upcoming NFL draft. And I know for many of you, myself included, when the season is over or even before that, your mind is instantly into draft mode. It's draft time. I've, had, I've gotten dozens, if not more, DMs already. When's the first mock draft Monday? I want to start sending them in. And I get it. People over the Slack channel. Which again, you can become a member of. Just shoot me a, a DM on the Bird app at Mark Schofield or mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. They've been running mocks year-round. Josh Bowman, for example, he's dropping mocks left and right in the mock draft channel. Others as well have been mock, dropping mock drafts left and right. They've been breaking down mock drafts left and right. It's mock draft season now. Enjoy. Have fun. A lot of people have said with 21, it's got to be wide receiver. And, and I get that. I get that motivation looking at this offense right now. And in talking to some other people who cover this team, Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London might be your prototypical ex. He's going to be a bit of a... I'm very much in the pro-Drake London camp. Talking to some others, there are, are negative... Thoughts about Drake London. I know the guys over at Bleacher Report, Nate Tice, they've got him as a top five player in this draft. I know that there's a thought process on him that he's just a contested catch guy that doesn't separate. Watch him run slants against press alignment. Matt Waldman and I talked about that a couple weeks ago on the RSP Quick Game. I think he's got a bit more to his game than people are giving him credit for. So I'm more in the pro-Drake London camp. There are some great receivers. But I think if you look at that defense on Saturday night, if you look at Devin McCourty, Technically going to be a free agent. Adonta Hightower, free agent. Jamie Collins, free agent. Jawan Bentley, free agent. You look at that, you look at where this defense was Saturday night, how they looked Saturday night. Yes, they were thin. They looked a little bit slower. Now, that might have been conditions, point of the season, for a guy like Matthew Jordan, who might have been coming off of COVID, whatever it was, they just seemed a step slower. So secondary and linebacker, second and third levels of this defense, might also be worth keeping an eye on. And you start thinking, well, at 21, who might be in play on those second and third levels? Linebacker is a weird position. It gets devalued in today's game, particularly off-ball linebacker. Although Micah Parsons might be one of a kind, but what he's done this year might sort of change some opinions there. But Devin Lloyd from Utah looks like a top 10 player. N'Kobe Dean looks like a top 25 player. Those could be guys you think about at 21 if you're thinking linebacker. If you're thinking corner, McCreary from Auburn. I don't know if Booth gets there. I'm, I'm higher on Gardner than Booth, but the consensus seems to be Booth is a top 10 player, so he probably doesn't get there if that stays true. Gardner's more viewed, at least right now, by consensus as a top 25 player. I think if he's there at 21, I'd run to the podium for him sitting here right now. I haven't studied him. But it wouldn't surprise me if the move is to address the defense with the draft, is to address the defense in free agency, is to address 
what, at least from what I saw on Saturday night, a, a lack of athleticism. Now, again, they were banned up. They were thin. Does that game look different if Mills could go, if Jonathan Jones is healthy? Yeah, but you've got some athleticism to address at the second and third levels of the defense. I think the defensive front, Barmore, Guy, like maybe depth there. Linebacker, corner, safety, those look to be needs. On the offensive side of the ball, yeah, wide receiver is a need. Offensive line depth is a need. But this might be a defensive offseason. And for everybody that's excited about, hey, you know, let's get Mac a true number one. They need help there, but you can get receivers that could slide to the second round of the draft. You know, depending on whose rankings you're looking at, you might see a Garrett Wilson slide. You might see a John Mechie slide. I mean, Mechie in the second round, Sauce Gardner in the first. I kind of like the way that sounds right now. You go over to Tankathon with the Patriots now locked into 21, and they've got Drake London at 21, Majai Sanders, the Cincinnati edge, at 54, and then Neil Chennault, the Wisconsin linebacker, in the third round at 85. And again, I get the, the wide receiver thing, but if you could get me Garner and then Mechie, I like that a lot. But we will have a, a whole draft cycle to start diving in, but I just wanted to get sort of out there, and I've seen some people talking about it on the Slack channel. I think it makes sense too, Dave Archibald and others. Defense might be what they look at early in free agency and the draft. Now we have free agency. We have a lot of movement to go. It's going to be a crazy offseason cycle. We'll get it all covered. And that's going to do it for today. I will be back Wednesday, uh, probably looking more at the season as a whole and, and thoughts about where we're going. Probably scale it back to one show a week um, until we really get cranking for the postseason, um, for the draft cycle, I mean. So probably one show a week until after the Super Bowl, and then we'll get cranking again. But until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sit along. Bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.